Choosing some hair bands that really weren't hair bands that just kind of played rock and roll during the hair band era. But a little poison, talk dirty to me. Ah, uh, yeah. That's, that is a hair band, my friend. That is a hair band. There you go. Uh, still re- haven't hit Burnsies, though. No. And you're running out of time, Mitch. Still haven't. I've got not hit Burnsies, five favorite. more that I've recorded. I will give so you I'm a if, if, you, if you don't hit it by 530, I might throw a hint in there. Okay. Yeah. I'll accept it then. I'll throw a hint. Yeah, it's it's. I I probably saw that particular hair band two or three times in concert in the eighties. Um, let's see if you get it. Let's see if you get it. Uh, we're pe- we're playing hair bands for you today because we're live from Mullet Arena. We just had our interview with Javier Gutierrez, the president and uh, CEO of the Coyotes. As we're live here from the home, the new home, temporary home of the Coyotes, and it's Mullet Arena, which is super cool. And obviously super funny. So, um, But we also turn our attention to the Arizona Cardinals now, who start a big stretch of games, Gambo, where the next... I mean, they're in the middle of five straight games against the NFC. After they get done with the Vikings, it's three straight games against the NFC West. And then the Chargers. And then the Chargers. And, the and Chargers, Justin Herbert. And, and they're who, not great, but... And, yeah, who knows what to make of them because of all the injuries, yeah. right, with Mike Williams and, and, and all of that. So do you want to say the four games or the five games? I want to say these four games. Okay. I think these four games Make a will, break. and they might end up going two and two, and maybe it's good enough if they do go two and two. Would you take that right now? As long as two of the wins were in the division, yes, I would. Okay. What if one of the wins in the division? Then you're one and then you're one and four in the division. You've lost to the Rams, Seattle. You'd be one and three. You're zero and two. I haven't so played far San Fran yet. You've got after this. If you, one, if you split the two against San Fran and LA, oh, you got Seattle too. Seattle okay, two. yeah, that's you got right. Seattle too. Right. Okay. So and look, that just means winning the division is out. You certainly could still get a wild card spot. The NFC is wretched, obviously. Right. You might be able to get in at eight and nine when it comes to the the NFC in general, but. Um, I think that in terms of if you've got any goals of winning the division, it's got to happen here in this stretch right now. So two and two, but your wins are against Minnesota and one of the other three. You don't want that. I don't, I don't think. See, I think two and two. Like I know what you're saying about the division. Man, this year things are so damn crazy. I mean, the Atlanta Falcons are playing the Carolina Panthers for first place. And the Panthers have two wins. This week's game is first place on the line. They've got two wins. They can be all over first place. I don't know that the division record is going to matter as much. It's just, man, you got to get to that eight or nine win mark. How can you get there? Get two in these. You get two wins here. You're five and six with six to play. Right. You can win three of those six. You're eight. You're eight. You win four. You go four and two down the stretch, and you're probably a playoff team. And, and as you pointed out, too, and again, I just want to, for everybody, to remind everybody of the schedule coming up. You're at Minnesota this week. You're home against Seattle the week after that. You're at the Rams after that. And then home, quote unquote, against San Francisco. That's the Mexico City game. Right. So not really a home, really game a home for game. either yep. team. That four game stretch is the one I'm talking about. I hear what you're saying, but you brought up we were talking about this earlier. You brought up a good point and one that's gotta be brought up again. 
tiebreakers, conference records, division records. Huge. You know, like it, when all these teams are bunched up. Yeah. That's almost as important as, because I would agree with you, the NFC is so bad, winning the division might not be your only path in. You might be able to get in with an 8-9 and nine record, a 9-8 and eight record, as long as you're able to get there. But given that you're basically playing a whole bunch of teams that you're going to be competing directly against for those playoff spots, right? Minnesota might be one of those teams. San Francisco, Seattle, the Rams, they all might be teams that you're going head-to-head up against for those playoff spots. If you don't have enough head-to-head victories, that you know th- that's where this stretch becomes so important for them, too. Yeah, like I'm just looking right now. Rams is the Rams right now be the seventh seed. They win the tiebreaker over Green Bay and Washington based on a win percentage in conference games. You know, that stuff matters. You know, Green Bay wins the tiebreaker over Arizona and Washington based on strength of victory. Washington wins the tiebreaker over Arizona based on strength of victory. So you start to look at all these things, strength of victory, tiebreakers, conference, all these things, they do become a factor, so I get it. But Right now, there's so many teams bunched up with three wins and four wins. Eventually, there will be some separation. There's not now, but eventually there will be. It's not going to stay like this. Some teams will start to play better. Some teams will start to play worse, and some will be in the middle. But I just think you got to kind of hang around as long as you can at around a 500 clip until those last few games, and then you got to make your move. And if they're 2-2 two and two when they come out of the stretch, yeah, they probably will be okay. Yeah, they probably will still be relevant. And we probably would all predict them to go two and two, but if you took two and two off the table and said, okay, you can't predict that for the Cardinals, you got to choose three and I think one, one and three, three could be, o- I would be choose, over. I would choose one and three. I don't think they can afford a three, a, a losing streak right here, three out of four. I mean, they go one and three in the stretch, done. That's what I'm saying. I think they're done. Yeah. Because now you're three games under 500. Mm-hmm. Now you're four and seven. And even Ugh. okay, so, so you go one and three in these next four. And again, Vikings, Vikings on the road, L.A. on the road, Seattle at home, San Francisco and Mexico City. You got to go five and one in your final. You got to go. You got to go five, five and one. Get five you and one to get you to nine. Get and you eight. to nine. Yeah, and that's asking too much, I think. If a team is four and seven, I, like I couldn't expect a team that's four and seven to win five out of six games. They're not that team. Right. That's not who you are. You'd have to be somebody different than who you are. You are what your record is at four and seven. They're not their bad football team. So two and two, three and one, three and one would be a good spot because they'd be over five hundred. So I do think that this is oh, a critical stretch right here. If they could go, okay. See now that's let's talk about that for yeah. A they're six and five. If they go three and one six over and these five. next four games. They have firmly reinserted themselves in the conversation. Firmly. Now we're talking about the Cardinals um, basically being the opposite of what they've been the last couple of years under Cliff. Fast starters, slow finishers, right? Now we're talking about them in the opposite terms. Now we're talking about them as something different. If they can go 3-1, and one, because then presumably at least two of those games came against division rivals. Who knows, maybe all three came against division rivals. And now you're talking about a turnaround moment. And maybe, you know, I don't want to give anybody any false hope, but you got DeAndre Hopkins back. I'm sure that... That's the hope for them, right? Is that they, now that they have him back, they can operate as a fully functional football team the way they kind of always envisioned they were going to. You win this game. The Giants beat Seattle. You have the same record as them. 
San Francisco beats the Rams. You got the same record as them, and you're all a half game up on the Rams. So, like, there is – look, somebody's going to lose this game unless there's a tie between the, the Rams and the 49ers. They play each other. So if you take care of business, there's a chance that you can gain. Last week, there was a, that was a good week for the Cardinals, right? They beat New Orleans, and a lot of teams that were in the NFC lost. That was good for Arizona. We are here at Mullet Arena, not too far from where we're at. The Phoenix Suns are taking on the New Orleans Pelicans tonight. Certainly a rematch, if you will, of a first-round playoff series that was a lot tougher than anybody imagined. Why was that series so tough? You'll hear it in Monty Williams' own words next on the Burns and Gambo Show. Burns and Gambo. Afternoons on Arizona Sports. The local sports leader. It's a great hairband. It's not Bernsey's, but it's a great hairband. I don't know if Mitch is going to get it. I got a hint that might help him. I'm going to wait until after the 5.30 break, though. Okay. After the 5.30. I'll give him one more opportunity to get it. This is a great one. Twisted Sister. Long Island Band. D. Snyder. Long Island Band. Are they? Yeah. Blue Oyster Cult. Long Island Band. Yep. Was Blue Oyster Cult a hairband? No, 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 rock and roll. No, I was just teasing. (laughs) Sorry, Mitch. (laughs) You're so in our heads now with what is a hairband. I know. I'm not even sure what you're teasing. You're in my head. Are you kidding me? If you didn't grow up in that era, you think, hey, well, you just think, well, everybody, but everybody had long hair. Like all the all the bands had long hair. Yeah. Did you guys have the long hair? No, no, you know we what? talked about that. Our, our hairs wouldn't grow long. Yeah, I mean, we didn't know each other back then, but um, my hair grows up, not out. Yeah, me too. You know, my, my hair... I have like an afro. My hair grows... Yeah, it's my hair does not grow down. It, it just poof, you know, like a, yeah. like, a, like a big, you know, chia pet or something. What right? was the expression that Steve Kime used? Follically challenged, was it? Uh, yeah. I mean, I, no, I wasn't follically challenged. I had plenty of hair. I just, you still got hair now. I, I got some. It's, yeah. It just doesn't grow long. It's Mine just, doesn't grow long either. Doesn't grow long. Yeah, no, I, I'm not as we follically been, challenged. That's why we weren't in bands. Yeah. Well, that and I had no musical ability whatsoever. That, that too. Was yeah, little, that, that factors that in as well. problem as well. But uh, playing the hair bands today because we're at Mullet Arena celebrating the Coyotes home opener in their new temporary home. If I would have told you five years ago, we're going to be at the Coyotes home opener at and their home opener, they're going to be playing at ASU's arena. You know what? I don't think I would have ruled that out. Because with the Coyotes, all things are possible. That's, I guess that's true. When you think about all it. All things are possible. All things are possible with the Coyotes. I mean, they've been owned by everybody. I mean, oh, yeah. you you Bankrupt. The league has owned them. This guy, yeah. that guy. They're going to move here. They're going to move there. They're going to do this. They're going to do that. They're going to... I mean, it's, it's like... Yeah. Wayne Gretzky was the, was a coach. Of course. I, I, there, there's yeah. nothing I wouldn't expect it's true. from it's this true. organization. If, if, if everything... I say this cautiously. If everything goes... A According to plan, it would be the first time for the Coyotes, right? Like everything just kind of quietly gets approved and they build their building in Tempe a mile from here and they start playing there three years from now. That would be the first time everything has gone according to plan for the Coyotes. So it's, a, it's you expect the opposite. They got to hope it doesn't go to a vote because it's hard to pass those things if you go to a vote. It is. Uh, Suns, they're back in action tonight as well as their tough stretch to 
start the season continues tonight, though it might not be as tough tonight for them with everybody that's going to be out for the Pelicans, and that includes, according to Adrian Wojnarowski, Zion Williamson looks like he is a no-go tonight. Zion Williamson went through the Pelicans shoot-around this morning, and while he's still a game-time decision against Phoenix tonight, uh, there's there's a real likelihood that his return uh, may wait until Sunday when New Orleans heads out on the road. They start with the Clippers. So Zion Williamson, I think, will get back out there pregame tonight, but a real possibility you know, he may sit out one more game here before he rejoins this team. But he's not the only one, Gambo. whole bunch of guys who might not play for the Pelicans. We already know Brandon Ingram's not going to play with the concussion. All the guys who are questionable tonight include Jose Alvarado, Dyson Daniels, Herbert Jones, C.J. McCollum, Zion, as we just heard there. Yeah. Uh, it's not quite everybody for well, the Pelicans, potentially. You tonight. know, to be honest with you, in the past, I would have really liked that. Okay, it means a win for the Suns. Like, in previous years, I would have cared more. Like, that's great. Those guys aren't going to play. That's good. Let the Suns get a win. Let them get as many wins as they can. You want to have home court advantage. You want to have the best seed. You want I don't care about that now. I want the matchups. Well, we saw that other day in that Golden State game was magic, man. That was that was pure gold. That was a fun game. That was an entertaining game. You want to challenge yourself against the best. But I'm telling you, you would have gone went back even a year ago, two years ago. I would have looked at some of these games and said, well, that's good that those guys aren't playing. That'll help the Suns win, and they need every win they can get. I don't think like that now. I mean, without those guys, you don't have the challenge. I wanted to see that challenge. New Orleans is a good team. New Orleans probably really wants to face the Suns. Hey, we played, we played you last year. We proved that we could beat you in a couple games. We're, we're not that far behind you. There would have been a good test for New Orleans with Zion back to kind of show that, hey, we've taken another step. We're more of a challenge to you now than we were last year. Yeah, no, I, I, I like where you're going with that because I hadn't really thought of it that way. And, and you're right. In the past, we might have been more inclined to say, good, let's stockpile as many wins as you can. I want I, I, I want to see the Suns get tested. You know, I want to see the Suns be challenged. I, I want to see the Suns. It's good for them. It's it's now you get to the end of the year and they're hopefully, you know, not in a position where they're fighting to stay out of the play in tournament. I don't think they'll be in that spot. But, you know, no, then no. sure. Give me all the gimmies you can get. Right. Give me all the easy nights you can. But for now, for a team that clearly is hell bent, talk about the Suns, clearly hell bent on showing everybody how wrong they were in what they had to write about the Suns in the offseason. I want to see them challenged. I, I want to tune in and see the Suns. And maybe right. maybe New Orleans, even without all those guys, still pushes the Suns but a little bit. I wouldn't put it past You can't them. overlook them because, you know, Murphy could shoot the ball well. Valanciunas gives you size. Like, they've got good talent. They're, they're deep. So they'll come out and they'll play hard. And then some of those guys will look at that. Hey, an opportunity for more playing time for me without, you know, some of the key players out there. But for the Suns, it is the challenge that I look forward to. I mean, you mentioned they've got two games with Minnesota coming up here. I want to see those games. I want to see it. They got Portland coming up. I want Dame to play. Like I want Dame to play. I don't. I don't look at it anymore. Like, oh, I hope that the other team's best players don't play because then, you know, the, the Suns get an easy win. It's not about the, the easy wins now. It's about this team. They're at their best when they when they feel challenged by another team and they have something to prove. Monty talking yesterday, and he said part of the reason what made that playoff series between the Suns and the Pelicans so great last year was just how similar these two teams are. If he took the, you know, did something to take the faces off and took the, you watch their plays, you watch how they play, you watch some of the defensive schemes, like you almost see the same team. Um, 
And I think that's why the series was so physical and chippy because you're out there running the same stuff at times and they know what's coming, you know what they're running. It is just like, oh. So that, that makes the game fun. In fact, the comp has even been made that what the bubble run was for the Suns two years ago, last year's playoff run was to the Pelicans, like a launching pad for greatness. That was, you know? my, that was my saying. I know. That's what I said. Oh, I thought you said, okay. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I, I think so. I mean, I think that. Well, we- actually, I read it from Kellen Olsen. Maybe you took it from him. I did not. Okay. Well, I, Did he write that? Yes, he did. Wow. Okay. No, I didn't read that. But I do think that for New Orleans, it was very – me and Callum must think alike because I had not read that. And it was exactly what I was thinking. Um, that, that, that run for the Pelicans was very much like the Suns in the bubble. That the Suns in the bubble were able to, you know, use that to their advantage for the next season. And I think the Pelicans can use it to their advantage this season that they played so well in the playoffs. Even though they lost, they proved something themselves, their fan base. There were a lot of people that were like, even after that series were over, they weren't talking about the Suns. They were talking about, hey, the Pelicans. Pelicans? They're legit. Like, Alvarado could play. Herb Jones is really good. And they get Zion back. And C.J. McCollum was a great pickup. And look at Brandon Ingham. He proved that he could lead a team. So there were so many good things that happened to New Orleans uh, in that in that series, even in a loss, that I think it really helped them for this season. Yeah, I, I think so, too. And I, I think New Orleans, I, look, the poll question we have running today that Eric put together, I think is a really good one. And I, and I get it. We're in Phoenix. So most people are going to vote for the Suns. But the question was, between the Suns and the Pelicans, which one is poised for better success over the next two to four years? And you answered the Suns. I did, too. And for the reason you gave, Devin Booker is the reason why. They don't have a Devin Booker, at least not yet. I think the Pelicans are going to be monsters. I mean, I really do. They've got all those draft picks. They've got really good young talent. They've got incredible depth. They've got a general manager who knows what he's doing, man. He knows this league. He knows how to team build. He knows how to good, roster good build. Drafter. He's very good at They've got a coach right off the Monty Williams tree in, in, in Willie Green. And they're in a great spot with those picks to move around the board, get players they want, get free agents they want, or make trades they want. They're a team to fear. I, I really think when some of the teams in the Western Conference start to get old, New Orleans will be the team that steps into their Remember place. Remember how they got there, the too. When Dave Griffin became the GM, Alvin Gentry was the coach. He had to fire his friend. He had to fire Alvin Gentry. That didn't end very good between the two of them. Then who did he hire? Van Gundy. They went out there and they got Stan Van Gundy, which was a disaster. So then he had to fire Van Gundy, I think, after only one year. It was really bad. And they ended up with Willie Green. Now, not the guy that did not have head coaching experience, and it ended up being a great hire. When we come back here on the Burns and Gambo Show on Arizona Sports, the Cardinals. Trade deadline is next week. Are they on the verge of making a big acquisition, and is their top target currently out of the country? We'll explain next on the Burns and Gambo Show. Football Friday with Burns and Gambo. Presented by 72 Soul. Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. He got it. Mitch got it. White Snake. And not just because of the video. Stop. Stop. Not just because of the video. Tanya (laughs) Gatane doing splits on the hood of a car. Two Jaguars parked side by side. 
It's hockey kids saying, doing like gymnastics right. all over them during the video. Every teenage boy with their record, hit record, hit record. Not just because of that. That's that not the only reason Robert Palmer's, I'm addicted to love. Record. Not a hair band. Yeah. Uh, no, but just saying certain. Yeah. White Snake. White Snake is my favorite hair band from the 80s. Uh, there's And then what? the Billy Idol song. Oh, the with the girl kicking up her shoes up into the wine. Easy, easy and Gambo. It's a family show here, Gambo. Easy. Just say, like, what? Easy. Just, I'm just, I'm just, hey, just, it is a family show. I'm just saying it was being your network censor here for you. That's it's all. It's a family just, show, but you guys are oodling over the White Snake music well, video. Well, I just, I, 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 like, I said it's not just the video, but, uh-huh. um. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh, White Snake was my favorite hair band. We're playing the great hair bands of the '80s because we're live from Mullet Arena for the Coyotes. Crazy that it's called Mullet Arena. That's all. It's, it's just it's crazy that the awesome. guy that sponsored it's a Mr. Mullet. Yeah, Don Mullet, I believe, was his uh, right. name. Right, and think. so they named the arena after. It's not like, like it's not a joke thing. The, the guy actually, the don't like the, the big donor, his name, his last name is Mullet. Speaking of the big donors, how do you spell Mullet? Uh, with one L and... I think it's one T. I think it's one L and one T. No, I think it's two L's and one T. How Maybe do you spell right. mullet? I think you're M-U-L-L-E-T. Right. Yeah, so this one's got mullet two arena. I think you're right. I think it's two L's and one yeah. T. So, I don't know. I've never had one, so it's never occurred to me to know how to spell it. Uh, as I mentioned, we were talking about the big donor. Um, the big donor is Don Mullet. The other big donor, Shane, will join us here in about ten minutes. Yeah, we're go- Okay, cool. Uh, to talk... Uh, about this team and where they stand. In the meantime, Cliff Kingsbury earlier today wouldn't be surprised if his team makes another trade. It wouldn't surprise me. I, you know, there's a lot of really good players out there, and I bet there's a ton more movement. You know, over the next few days, and so I, I wouldn't be surprised if we got in on something. Trade deadline is on Tuesday, of course. When we asked Steve Kime about that comment earlier today, Kime uh, said, in typical Steve Kime fashion, that that might be Cliff Kingsbury just trying to. Speak it into existence. I think that's just like a coach manifesting and trying to maybe <laughs> let the power speak to me to go do something for him. But no, I'm joking. He's that, trying to speak it into know, existence Cliff, is what Cliff is trying to do. He's trying to will it to be. Uh, yeah, yeah, exactly. I just no. I think it's it's just Cliff knows that um, you know whether it's Mike or myself, we both have the mindset of any chance we can to improve the team, we're willing to take a shot. And you know whether it's draft picks, I know people hold draft picks like they're gold, and I do understand that. But at the same time, if you're going to get a player that um, is accomplished and you know what he can do and you know to me that's it's certainly worth it I, I think that they're going to make moves. I, I would bet that their move is not as big a move as people are going to want. The Bradley Chubb move. Did I like Bradley Chubb? Yes. Would they give up the, what, what they need to, to give up to get him and then have to pay him $30 million? I have my doubts. I have my doubts. It still comes down to money. But I do, I do think they'll be active because, look, at three and four, four and, you know, what, what depends on this game, right? This game, you're either going to be four and four or, Three and five at four and four. If you win this game, I mean, you're right in this thing. You're right in the thick of things. You got to go for it. Yeah, you got to go for a playoff spot in the NFC. You, you do, and that's something else we talked with Steve about. If the state of the NFC entices him to want to make a deal, well, I mean, I think any year, um, especially uh, before the trade deadline, I don't think many teams are in, a, in, in that bad of a position where they don't uh, feel like they can acquire some uh, new talent and potentially make.
make their roster better moving forward. But, you know, I think that, uh, you know, this year, what's again, there's a, there's a lot of teams that are in the same boat. Um, and, and that's why all these wins are so important. I mean, you got you look back on the season and whether you finish, you know, with 10, 11, 9 wins, whatever it may be, you look back at some of those games where you didn't play well and you didn't play well at home and you lost and um, it makes you pay for it. So um, we have to continue to play well. Obviously, we'll take uh, uh, any opportunity we can moving forward to improve the roster, whether it's via trade or uh, through the waiver wire. You know, it's kind of like the Suns. You know how we talk about these two windows with the Suns, right? There's the there's the now window, there's the Chris Paul window, and then there's the Devin Booker, DeAndre Ayton window, right? The one that's bigger and, and longer, and it's four or five years. I almost feel the same way about the Cardinals in this trade deadline. Like, I don't know... I don't know if this year's team is worth making a trade in the short term for. You know, because I, I just don't think they're that good. I, I, I don't think they're. I, they, they might be they're good enough to make the Super playoffs. Bowl they're, they're not good enough to win a Super Bowl. We all know that. So, do I really want to give up a lot of draft inventory in the name of the here and the now just to make the playoffs and lose in the first round? But. You give me an opportunity to trade two first-round picks for a Bradley Chubb, a pass rusher, an elite pass rusher that I know I'm going to have to pay, but now I'm not going to have to worry about pass rush from an elite standpoint for the next four or five years. Even though he might not help me now, that's a deal I would like to make because I feel like that addresses a larger window window that you have a better chance of being competitive in. Does that make sense? That sounds like a Mike Hazen move. It does a little bit, doesn't it? I'm going to make a trade, uh, even though we're not going to win anything this year, but I'm going to make a trade that's going to help us for the future. Yeah. Yeah, and like Bradley Chubb, I'm not saying he wouldn't help them now, but... I, but he could really help them. I want to pa- look, Dave. Since Chandler left, you're not going to find a pass rusher in the draft as good as Bradley Chubb is now. And those no. are positions I don't mind paying elite money for. Right? You're an elite pass rusher in this league. I'll give you elite money. That is a key position that I need to have locked up. So, I, I do. I want him to be active on Tuesday. I would rather them be active with the big picture in mind and go get a Bradley Chubb than I would making another small move on the. Market. Because I just don't think this season really is worth a small move on the. The margins. only thing that gives me pause with that is somebody's got to win the NFC. Somebody's got to win the damn thing. The Bucks are down with Brady. The Packers are down with Rodgers. I mean, is there any? Do you really think the Eagles are that good? No, but is there anything that you've seen out of the Cardinals, and we're nearly halfway through the season, that would lead you to believe that they are that? Not right now, but I mean, what have you said? The Vikings are five and one. Every win they've had in the last four has been by one score. Yes. The Giants, five and one. What are they done? Like, were they six and one? Are the Giants six, six and one? one. Six, and six and one. one. Yeah. They're six and one. Daniel Jones is their quarterback. Yeah, I, I just don't. I just don't know that there's any like there's not that many good teams. We talked about it, the, the joke this week is Atlanta and Carolina playing for first place. They stink. Carolina's got two wins. If they win, they're in first place all by themselves. That is a joke. But that's what I'm saying. Like you know, that's and they traded McCaffrey. But if they beat the Falcons, they're all alone in first place. I there's 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 nobody that's that's that good. Somebody's gonna have to represent the NFC in the Super Bowl. I mean, maybe you move like. Like that gets you to to nine or ten wins, and then you get a home playoff game. You win, and all of a sudden you're in the playoffs. You're playing, I don't know, you're playing the Falcons. <laughs> okay, for a chance to go to the NFC Championship game. That just 
to me, my opinion, that feels like dreaming. That just that feels like that doesn't feel like a plan rooted in reality. That feels like just more of a, okay. a, a hope. Somebody's going to go to the, to the NFC Championship game paying playing a cupcake. I guarantee it. Oh, I, I don't. I, I don't guarantee it. I don't. Not think the you're NFC wrong. Championship game. The game that gets them there. Somebody's going to beat this weak ass team. You're like, how's that team even in? But the Cardinals might be that weak. They could be. They could be. Yeah, they could be. Cardinals might be that weak ass team. And so if they want to make a small move, I'm okay with it. I just don't don't want to do too much of the name of going for it this year because that's just my opinion. By the way, bottom of the second. Astros are up one nothing over the Philadelphia Phillies. I believe Kyle Tucker has hit a solo home run off of Aaron Nola. one oh, nothing Astros. When we come back on the Burns and Gambo show, he's not exactly the guy who built this place, but he certainly built the Coyotes and helped represent them all those years. Shane Doan, our good friend, joins us next on the Burns and Gambo show. And Gambo. Afternoons on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Oh, yeah. This one's debatable. I mean, I, um, I think they're a little debatable. Kind of more, more, more I, heavy. I think of Scorpions as a hairband. But they're, but they're a little fringy heavy metal, too. Have you had yeah. White Snake yet? Oh, we should oh, play them. Oh, that's, yeah. that's my favorite. No, White that's Snake, my, that's White my, that's Snake. That's my absolute a, favorite yeah, airband of all time. Yeah. But not because of the video, he says. <laughs> not, not because, because of, the of the video. Tanya Katan, Katan, <laughs> not Katan because of the video. video. They had this song called yeah. Still of the Night that was one of my favorite. You remember Still of the Night? Oh, yeah, my favorite hairband songs of all. I'm going to listen to that on my way home tonight. He's Canadian. He just listened to Brian Adams. Oh, Rush. I had a little Rush going. Little Brian Adams. Rush. Rush. Living in the limelight, the universal dream. Shane Doan. Uh, so that was your request. You requested Scorpions. Well, he gave me Mitch. a choice of three, and I, 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 I didn't really, I didn't get to it. I apologize. Oh, though. what, what so, were the other? What were the I other think choices? It was you had? Quiet Riot and Come on, feel the noise. I can't remember the other one. It okay. was Warrant. Scorpion. Warrant. Warrant. There we go. Okay. Okay. Shane Doan, uh, our good friend from the Coyotes, joining us here live from Mullet Arena. Okay. I know you rocked a mullet. I think I've seen pictures of you in a mullet. I, I mean, I don't even. Well, I asked Steve Kime earlier. Uh, that's debatable. The guy's got no hate, but you, I know you rocked a mullet. Not in his coyote days. No, though. no, it was it was earlier Not in on. Coyote days. Yeah, you're from well, Western Canada. Of course, you rocked a mullet. I, I, <laughs> yes, you did. Yeah, definitely. The perm on top was a key, or actually, the perm in the back with the just straight on top. That was that's a true mullet. Like uh-huh. that's there's a few of my friends that had some really good mullets, really right. good mullets. All right, so I'm going to break this down. How do you think? Forget about Coyote players. How do you think opponents are going to feel coming into this building and playing here? It's going to it's going to be unique. It's going to be a little bit of nostalgia where you're going back to wherever you played a little bit where. Whether it's a college rink or whether it's a junior rink, and 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 those are those are going to create some good memories, and guys are going to remember and talk about it, and um, it's obviously something that's the NHL. It's going to be unique. It's only going to happen here so many times, and, uh, and so then, you don't think guys will have any issues with it. No, I, mean, I don't think I, I, it's it's what is it? What's a who? What's a Hoosiers kind of reference where it's like the Hoosiers? Yeah, you measure it out. Measure it's it like out. hey, it's the same size no matter what. We said that. It's, yeah. yeah, see, yeah. we're all the exact that. same dimensions. Same dimensions. Jim Mack and Hickory. Goals right? the same. Yeah. Same length. Same width. Same yeah. height. I, good ice. Really good ice. That, okay, so we were talking with Javier about that earlier, and and he said the players are raving about the ice. That it, yeah. that it, it really they spared no expense on. And I got to think. You tell me as a former player that as long as the ice. 
is good. And as long as the locker rooms, when the annex is built, as long as they're good and comfortable in what they need to be, doesn't the, I mean, the size of the crowd, doesn't the rest kind of take care of itself as long as you have good ice and a decent locker room? Yeah, as a, pl- as a player, because of the glass and everything else, there's moments where something happens where you notice a crowd, like without a doubt, like in the national anthem in Chicago, like that's yeah. that's gives you goosebumps when you're on the bench. Uh, there's moments when something goes on that you'll notice a crowd, but during the game, you don't notice you don't notice anything. Like it's what's going on inside on the ice inside the glass. You don't really notice. And the it. ice in Glendale was terrible, wasn't it? And there was there was sometimes that it wasn't. It was bad. <laughs> it would get it would get um, a little heavy sometimes there's a whole bunch of things going on there with the, with the ice that was hard to kind of manage but i skated on the ice this morning here it's great it's you really did? yeah how'd you get on the ice i i, I help you know somebody the, yeah i know somebody once in a while i know if, someone in the hockey world i do know someone in the hockey i want to get out there and skate <laughs> if if you had gotten on the ice gamble i would have said how did you get on the ice donor like, like donor yeah. you got a key D- let's I come will, in later we're coming late tonight to do the let's do it the rocky the, thing the, the, <laughs> remember rocky yeah it's 10 bucks. Come in, Adrian Skate. No, I'll give you 10 minutes. I want you two to come back into the arena later tonight. I want you to be Herb Brooks from Miracle. Yeah, again. 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 And just make him do gassers Ooh, all up and down. Where are you from? Where are you here. from? <laughs> Shane Doan, our guest here on Burns and Gambo live from Mullet Arena. I mean, it's a it's a beautiful building, and we were talking with Javier about this earlier. It's brand new, and, and for what it was built for, I mean, I, I was about to ask you, can you imagine? But I guess in a way you can because your son... This is this is his place, right? He got the first goal here. This is right. I mean, this is kind of. I would imagine he's the semi ambassador of this building to a certain extent. Uh, yeah, he. I mean, I know how excited him and all of his teammates were, and the coaching staff, and all of ASU hockey, and, and ASU gymnastics, and volleyball, and and wrestling. Uh, they were so excited for this building, and it's one of those things that uh, it's it's a lot of fun. It was the I've watched four games here now. This will be the fifth, and. It's fun to watch a game. They get the student section going, and they get the band going for the ASU games, and it's uh, it's it's kind of fun. You think it will have any impact if you're here for three plus years on free agents? Be honest. Yeah, it's it's obviously it's it's unique and it's different. And after three years, it'll be it'll be you know that'll be a little bit of a harder sell. But at the same time, you also have at that point with everything going the way we plan it, you will have the you have the the treasure at the end of the building being built. And so that's going to be what you use, and you're not going to be using this then. I remember the whirlwind tour. I mean, yeah. you know, we, we, were, we were talking a lot. You were in New York. You were in Philly. You know, you got offered the captaincy with a Canadian team, which we don't have to, we won't mention. But if you <laughs> which were we offered, won't mention, but you just did. I won't, yeah. I won't mention. Uh, I think it's a team the Coyotes actually beat this year. Um, if you if you were a free agent and, had a, and, and the Coyotes were selling you on coming here, hey, but we're going to be here for three years. In this arena, it seats 5,000. Would you take them off the board, or would you consider them? I think that right now in the situation depends on on what your other options are, and that always does. And it's hard to say. It's hard to say because 
guys have sentiments towards different things. Uh, you have a family member that's here. You have family that lives here. You have a mother and dad that live that, that summer down here. That's going to be an attractive place. I talk to players during the summer that skate with me, and they're like, man, this is what a place this will be, what a place this could be, what amazing spot Arizona could be to play hockey. Because they have my mom and dad come here, my brother and sister are living down here. Everyone comes here for the winter, especially if you're from one of the northern states or Canada, because it's a great place to come. And uh, and so this would be this this will be a unique experience. And at the end of the road, it's going to be what the building is. And and that's what everybody's aiming for is the end of the road. And so, kind of my next question for you then is, it, knowing that you've taken a little bit of a step back in terms of your role here, how engaged have you been with the efforts with Tempe, with the efforts with the arena, with the efforts to? Because I, I know this is everyone's hoping the end game for that is going to be sometime in the next month or two. Yeah, and that's something that obviously the the vote that's coming up that's going to be a big vote that we've there's been some talk about that and we need um, I think the situation of what Mr. Morello is offering of being willing to pay for everything himself and offering a, a, an opportunity to turn what is somewhat of a well it's a it's a dump right now like that's literally what it is into into uh, <laughs> you're it, not being mean no I'm not being it's mean. literally what what that plot of land <laughs> is right now it's quite literally a dump and you turn that into something that would generate a uh, so many jobs and an opportunity to change the skyline and and create create more of a skyline along there for the city of Tempe and just add to the city of Tempe and to the university and the partnership with that. Yeah, I, I'm excited about that. I want that to work. Are you surprised that this organization is still here with everything that it's gone through? <laughs> uh, no, I mean, am I surprised that they're still that they're, standing? <laughs> they're they're jo- they're Elton John. I'm I, still standing I, I after am, all these years. I am. I I do point out to a few people that we have not made it easy to be a Coyotes fan. And yet, at the same time, we have fans that will go through a wall for us, and there is something to be said for that. And it is a tight-knit group. I've had the opportunity to get to know lots of them, and there is passion. And this place works. I mean, I know it does. Like, I've seen it work. We have to do something consistently well for a while, and then we'll see how it... But consistently well is going to be what we have to do. Early impressions of the team so far? Uh, You know what? There's there's some areas of a game that, that probably are... We lost some veteran leadership, and you can see that in some guys. But there's also some, some young guys. That, yeah, we You're lost like six goals, like four times. <laughs> well, that's that does happen once in a while. Um, we got some young guys that uh, that are going to have to take steps. We got some young guys coming into the lineup. I think Michelli and uh, and Gunther are, are two guys that we're going to like for a long, long time. And uh, I liked Gunther's goal, although I think you know in a year or two, once he gets some experience, he'll be able to just corral that in one time. It instead of losing it, having to gather it back and then get the shot off. He is... I, I mean, hey, I'm... He's wearing 11. It feels so odd to me. <laughs> I mean, he's wearing Dally's number. Yeah. Yeah. The, the Dally's, Martin Hansel, a couple good players for number 11. Um... I think uh, he has a chance to be one of the premier scorers out of that draft. Like I think his release, if you watch him shoot a puck, he shoots a puck as well as probably anyone on our team right now at 19, which doesn't usually happen. And it, it jumps off his stick. You watch him you watch him take a shot tonight, and you'll see goalies kind of, they fight off his shot. Like, it's on them before they're anticipating it. And that's, when, you see, when you're seeing that, you're like, oh. Oh, I guess. There's something there. Yeah, there's something there, there's something there. there yeah, that there's you're just going to have to pay attention to and I'm excited for him what do you think the resolution ends up being with Jacob Chikrin 
<laughs> well, I think when he's healthy, he gets playing for us, and we have an opportunity to see how he's doing, and uh, he gets an opportunity to help us uh, win some games. I hope that'd be that'd be great. But he wants to be traded. Yeah, uh, and he's he's there's obviously been that, and there's been guys that wanted to be traded lots, and sometimes they do, sometimes they don't, and and I think uh, you know there's, he's under contract right now, and um, he's a guy that uh, is a great player and has an opportunity to do a lot in this league. But if they wanted to, I mean, if it comes to that, that everybody assumes around the league, there would be he will he will fetch a lot in return if it ever gets down that road for the Coyotes. I mean, he's a guy that you look at what his pedigree is and who he was as coming out a junior, and then what he's done since he's been in the league. And yeah, you'd hope to, uh, you'd hope that would be the case. Obviously, the situation with him not playing right now makes it tough for anyone to be too interested and in, and in, and willing to give up what you probably are asking for right now. But get him back, get him healthy, and get him going. Calgary loses two of their best players and are off to this un- incredible start. Well, they also added they added Weger. Yeah, they, the, who is Weger had the most points on five on five of any defenseman. Is this, I think a really good player. Huberdeau is probably the most underrated superstar in the NHL. And then Kadri is Kadri, who's you know a great player. Yeah, he just a guy but that for, fits man, in. You, you you would think when you lose Goudreau, and, oh, and Goudreau, Kachuk, yeah. you know that's too. They didn't want to be there. They yeah. didn't want to be there. Yeah, that's that, and you know what? Sometimes that's you deal with stuff like that. And, and obviously, there's always agendas, and everyone has them, and you got to understand. That's it is what it is. I tell you, was it odd to see Brady Kachuk score two goals against the Coyotes the other night? <laughs> it's great. little Brady. I know. To Stan Wilson and Brady. I. Stan Wilson and I were talking. Stan and him are so close. Stan and Shelley helped Brady and Matthew and, and Taryn and always spent time with the Kachucks and took care of them. And they're 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 so close. And he was in Ottawa. And Brady was. This is the type of guy he is. Brady was like, "Hey, let's go out for dinner, but it has to be in the evening because there's a guy that plays on his team that has four kids." And he's like, "I'm taking them to a pumpkin patch." He's a 23 year old kid taking another. You know, like he just he's just a great that's kid. Cool. Yeah, and that's he's, cool. he's a guy that just goes out of his way to help others. And um, obviously, Chantel and Keith, what an incredible job of their kids. You got uh, Cardinals this weekend? Ah, yes. Come yeah. on. Yeah, we got, I mean, yes. You got the Cardinals? Think, okay. I, just, I, I, you, you, you do a little hesitation I like there. Benjamin. I think Benjamin's going to be good. I think they're going to be able to run the ball, and they're going to have to figure out a way to stop Cook and Jefferson. I mean... Minnesota wasn't expected to be that good. They've been really good six weeks in a row. Maybe there's a week where they have a little bit of a... I think they're a little fake. Yes. I think they're, yeah. I think they're a little fake. There's a reason why you didn't think that they were going to be uh, five I think the one. whole NFC is fake. I, I agree, <laughs> but I, I think you're five the and one. The whole NFC? The whole NFC? Who's good? Who's legitimately good? Philly's Brady, legitimately good. Brady and Tampa are terrible. Rodgers and the Packers are terrible. Who's good? Yeah, the Philly's good. Philly's but legitimately good. But how good? The Cardinals could have beat them. They could have, but they're still legitimately good. Good. If that Matt Amendola kicks a field goal, it would have went to overtime. Okay, so the they're they're five and one instead of six and zero. Oh. They're still okay, good. But, but how? But how, well, the Vikings are five and one. That's the point. How good are these teams? The Giants aren't that bad. They're not good. I'm a fan. Trust me. They're <laughs> fake, not good. Hey, fake, fake, you know, fake. Hey, what is, what is it? You are what your record says. You, you are. are what your record says. You <laughs> are. Bill Parcells yes. says so. Yeah. And when a player shows you who he is, believe him. Those are the two. Those are two of my favorites. Going out of retirement anytime soon? <laughs> no. Yeah. Oh yeah. I, if they will let me go out there, I'll go out there. For one more time, <laughs> Donor, thanks for swinging by for a few Always minutes. A pleasure, appreciate it. Always a pleasure. Thanks, Shane Doan, good to see you, my friend. Joining us here on the Burns and Gambo show when we come back. Bonus Burns and Gambo. Burns and Gambo. Afternoons on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. 
right, welcome back. Final segment of the show as uh, we get you set for some Phoenix Suns basketball. Suns taking on the Pelicans. I am still down here at the Mullet Arena. Continue to play the hairband music as we get set for the Coyotes' home opener at the Mullet Arena. They're taking on the Winnipeg Jets, part of a four-game homestand before they hit the road for 14. And we're going to join, like we always do, one of our favorite Suns broadcasters. Does an outstanding job. Part of our team, Bloomer, John Bloom. Bloomer, what's going on? Well, Gambo, we're just getting ready for another one. It should be a good Friday night all over the Valley. You've got the hockey, we've got the hoops, and uh, and then a football game and a bunch of action this weekend. But as far as the Suns are concerned, I know you enjoyed uh, yourself watching the other night of what they did to the champs. And now tonight they just have to mind their P's and Q's against the Pelicans team that's coming in here without a lot of firepower, uh, most likely without Zion Williamson tonight. Brandon Ingram didn't make the trip. So Suns just need to really play their own game. They should be able to get out of here with another W. What was your biggest takeaway from the Warriors game? You know, I think it was their composure. I heard you and Bernsey talking about that, too. I think uh, in that third quarter, it was a close game. They were up six at the half, and you felt good about how they were playing, but you didn't feel like they were going to blow that team out. And then when things went sideways for the Warriors, uh, it was a situation where the Suns could have joined them and, and struggled during that stretch of the third where things were ugly and there was a bunch of tacticals and fouls and all that stuff, but the Suns just picked them apart and uh, just you know maintained their composure, and I think if they can do that, through this season, that is going to be a huge reason why they'll be tough to beat. Yeah, I think it was good to see Chris Paul knock down some of those open threes. That was it. And the other thing is, you know, which a lot of people aren't talking about, just defensively. I mean, this team continues to get it done defensively, a staple for James Jones, but they have been a very good defensive team. I mean, they shut down Steph, they shut down Clay. They played really well on that side. Yeah, they did. And uh, that's going to be a consistent thing. That's what they know. If that if, if they make defense their calling card, they, re- they understand what that can do for them especially when it matters down the stretch. But they're starting, you know, they, they want to start the season strong. They want to establish these qualities and this identity as a team early, even though, you know, it doesn't nece- necessarily mean that's the way they're going to play in April and May. But I think that I, I like the attitude. I like what they've shown us so far in the first, you know, week, two, two weeks of the season. And uh, now we get another week at home before they head on a, a tricky road trip. And uh, y- these opportunities to play against good teams. Now, this is a Pelican can seem, as I mentioned, that could be very good. If they were 100% healthy, I think they will be very good, but right now they're nowhere near that. No, we saw last year just the defensive intensity they had. I mean, great job by Dave Griffin, right, and getting Alvarado and Herb Jones. Those guys those guys were defensive player of the year in their respective conferences, you know, in college. Alvarado in the ACC for Georgia Tech was the defensive player of the year. and yeah. We saw what he did to Chris Paul. We, you know, it was a couple of times, and he got the eight-second violation with Chris. Chris hit him in the jaw and Chris got the technical. And because of just the frustration that Chris had with Alvarado, the peskiness, he's a 5'10", you know, pest, and he was just all over Chris and he made things very difficult for him. He did. Gamba, honestly, Jose Alvarado has become a swear word in my house. I don't know uh, if you know that, but my wife and my daughters do not like that dude at all after how he played against the Suns. And it was just in that playoff series. I mean, that's, that's where really everybody got to know Jose Alvarado. But as you mentioned, he did have a calling card 
for himself in college at Georgia Tech. Herb Jones did the same in Alabama. And then they come and they do it at this level, which was pretty surprising. And Willie Green talked about that before the game, that it was a process. You know, he wasn't sure that he was going to have them contributing on a game-in, game-out basis when the season started. But by the time they got to February and March, he really knew that they were going to play an integral role. And boy, did they down the stretch, especially in the playoffs, as you mentioned. Yeah, I think, you know, for New Orleans, that was that was, that was was a great series for them. Even in losing, they proved a lot to themselves that they can compete. That was without Zion. But with C.J. McCollum's veteran leadership and Brandon Ingram stepping up and the defense that those guys played, the size they have with Alan Junis, I think that that was a real big step for them last year in losing to the Suns. Just having those six games under their belt should go a long way towards helping them in the future. I agree. And the other guy we didn't mention, who was another rookie last year, is Trey Murphy. And he's Love a guy. Him. Great yeah, shooter. He, he is, and that's the thing. You you you, you look at these guys, and they each have like a, a thing that they excel at. And and not only did they excel at it in college, but now it's translated. We mentioned Alvarado and Herb Jones on the defensive side, but Trey Murphy the third can flat out light it up, and he's you know averaging over 15 points a game to start this season. So that's a sincere uptick from last year as a rookie, and I expect even more from him. As you mentioned, he's known for his shooting, uh, but he's also got great length at six foot eight, and if he fills out a little bit, uh, maybe he can be better on the defensive side to add to that three-point arsenal. Yeah, I, and I said this to Burnsy earlier, like, I almost I wish they were at full strength. Now, in the past, I might have looked at a, an opponent that didn't have key players. Oh, that's good. That's good for the Suns. That'll, right. That'll more likely mean a win that this guy's out or that guy's out. Oh, great. Steph's not playing. Oh, great. You know, Jamal Murray's not playing. Kawhi. Like, I would always look at that and say, that's good. Get the win. But now, you know, now that the Suns have proven themselves as one of the top teams in the NBA. I want the challenge. The challenge, because that brings out the best in the Suns yep. and makes for a much more entertaining style of, of, uh, of basketball. I tend to agree, to agree. It's weird how our mentality has shifted over the course of the last five years or so, uh, or since Monty Williams got here, if you wanted to be specific about it, uh, and then obviously changed even more so when Chris Paul came over and, and what they've done the last couple seasons. So yeah, you want to see everybody come in here with their full, full arsenal especially when it's a dude like Zion. I mean, that's a guy, just the way he's built uh, and what he does with it is remarkable. So, yeah, I want to see it when, when he comes to town. And unfortunately, tonight it sounds like he is not going to be out there, miss his second straight game after taking what was a pretty hard fall against the Utah Jazz. I don't know if you saw it, Gambo. I but, did. Uh, I did yeah, see Jordan it. Yep. Clarkson made a nice play on the ball. He actually blocked the ball, yep. and, and Zion just lost his balance. But when you lose your balance and you're up in the air like he is and you weigh the kind of poundage that he weighs – with that kind of force, you're going to maybe miss a couple games, and that's the case. Yeah, we talked about earlier, like, which organization would you rather be going forward for the next three, four, five years? New Orleans or, or Phoenix? And and I took the Suns, and, and not as a homer thing, but only because I think the difference is that they have Devin Booker and New, and New Orleans doesn't. This is not a knock on Zion or Ingram or any of those guys. New Orleans has all of these draft picks coming going forward. I get it. But, I, you know, they both have great supporting cast, but to me, I just think the difference is having that superstar player, and the Suns right now have that in Devin Booker. Yeah, and I mean, I would just take it even one step further than that, because you're talking about the core, and you've got Bridges and Aiton locked up as well. So, you know, look, I don't sleep on their impact to this basketball team. Booker's the star. I'm with you. The guy just keeps getting better. It's mind-blowing. You know, you just think he's going to hit a ceiling, but he doesn't. He just bursts through it, and he's going to bring it to another level even this year, as he already has to start the season with four games in, under his belt, averaging 32 and a half. So, 
uh, I, I just think that it, when it comes to this core going forward, I also would include D.A. and Mikel uh, because of what they mean to this team now and the fact that they're locked up long term. Bloomer, always good catching up with you, my friend. I appreciate the time. Enjoy the game tonight. All right, Gamba. Have a great weekend. Enjoy the mullet over there in Tempe, I man. will. I will enjoy the mullet. <laughs> All right, that's John Bloom, broadcaster for your Phoenix Suns. I am at the Mullet Arena. The Coyotes getting ready to take on the Winnipeg Jets. This is the first home game of the year for the Yotes. They're 2-4 on the season. They opened up with a six-game East Coast trip. They're going to play four games here at home and then go on the road for 14 more for time to finish the locker rooms because the locker rooms are not completed yet. We hope everybody has a great night watching all the sports tonight and this weekend. We'll be back Monday, 2 o'clock sharp, right here on Arizona Sports. Have a great night, everyone. You're still here? It's over. Go home. Go.